I don't know if you know this or not, but Thanksgiving's coming up. That's every day for me. I am, I, I am blessed beyond measure, and I want the man to know I appreciate what he's done for me. That's called Thanksgiving. When Thanksgiving is not a song. It's when you tell him, I appreciate what you've done for me. And we're going to talk today about the power of a grateful heart. We're going to talk about the heart today because it all comes out of the heart anyway. And let me tell you something about Thanksgiving. We're, we're going to read some scripture here. I want to show you some things you don't know today. This is the little thing that makes the difference that nobody hears a lot of times. Now, Charles Stanley, who's been preaching longer than anybody in the history of the world, Charles Stanley said the number one question he's been asking his life by people over the years is, how do I find the will of God for my life? I would agree with him. Well, dear ones, when people say that, their thinking's messed up because what they normally mean is vocation. Do I be a nurse? Do I be a missionary? Listen to me, listen to me. Your vocation is the very tiniest part of God's will for your life. That's not even one of the big ones. His will for your life is much bigger than your vocation. Finding the will of God for your life is the easiest thing you'll ever do. It's easy. All you got to do is buy your Bible. Look it up. If you're wondering, so Brother Brian, could you pray with me? Is it okay to steal my neighbor's new Corvette? Listen, I'm not going to pray with you. I'm going to look it up. Is this hard or what? I've been accused of being overly simplistic. I plead guilty. I'm staying that way. A fellow told me not long ago, I'm not going to tell you who it was. He told me, he said, this old dumb country boy stuff is just act. You're smarter than you make out. I said, I am not. <laughs> We're going to keep it simple so we can understand what the father said. He kept it simple. If you want to find the will of God for your life, buy your Bible, turn it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here it is, verse 18. That's so simple. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now you know the will of God for your life. You say, Brother, Brother, what I meant was, do I be a missionary or not? You look right here. Being grateful is bigger than being a missionary. Being a thankful person is bigger than any vocation there is. Now, don't you notice he did not say be thankful, did he? Read it again. Be thankful when? What's everything mean? Now, listen to me. He did not say be thankful for everything. That's dumb to be thankful for everything because a lot of stuff in your life, he didn't send it. But it said, be thankful in everything. In other words, live your life to become a grateful person. Make thanks. Listen, Thanksgiving is the human being's first response to the fact that there is a God. The Bible said when they saw him, they worshiped him. You find out one day that I'm alive because he wanted me to be alive. I had something to eat today because he provided it. People love me because he, he caused that to happen. I saw the sunrise because he made that happen. What, what, are you gonna, what do you do? Thank you. What are you going to do? Here, so here, I'll give you my pocket knife. What are you going to do? What would you give him? What do you have that you can give him? Money? You're going to give him money? He don't need your money. He's loaded. I give money because I need to give it. That's for me and the people that are hungry or whatever. <clears throat> Listen to what the Bible said. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where's the house you could build for me? What's the only thing you can give him that he didn't already have? A grateful heart. A grateful heart. He don't need your money. He don't need, he don't need you to work for him. He's got an angel to do more than I could in five lifetimes. What's the one thing, the one thing that I can give him that he really wants? He wants me to sign. I'm not, not playing parakeet. I mean, mean it. I really appreciate all you've done for me. 
A grateful heart is the treasure of God. You'll see that in scripture. That's why he said, listen, you want to know, you want to know what I want from you? I want you to be grateful for what I've done for you. Be grateful for who I am, what I've done for you. I want you to do it all the, I want you to do it all the time. Now listen to me carefully. I'm going to teach you something here. This is not because he's some kind of neurotic deity he wants to be worshipped. This is for me. He's this good. All right, here's my line. You've heard this before. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say this until you get tired of hearing it. You said, I already am. You're fixing to hear it again. <laughs> he will test your intellect. He will challenge your intellect. He will offend your intellect to test your heart to see if you'll trust him and obey him so he can be good to you. He will offend your intellect. He'll ask you to do things that don't make sense to see what's in your heart. See if you'll trust him and do what he says so he can be good to you. And if you will say to your head, stand down, I'm going to do what the man says, he will open the windows of heaven over you. That's all through the Bible. That's this thing about Thanksgiving. It's the little thing that means so much. Matter of fact, the foundation of kingdom living is gratitude. The foundation of hell is whining. Well, I'm sorry. The Bible calls it complaining. There's not much difference between complaining and whining. Can I get a witness? Don't demonstrate it. Just agree with me. The foundation of kingdom living is a grateful heart. Everything begins with a grateful heart. You ever notice, let me teach this, Romans chapter 1, the, where does the destruction of a nation begin? If you want to destroy a nation, what's the first step you take according to the Bible? It's not drugs. What is it? Although they knew God, they would not glorify Him as God or be thankful to Him for what He'd done. You know where Thanksgiving in the nation came from? A president years ago said, God's been good to this nation. Let me make an announcement. He's been good to this nation. We're the second most blessed nation in the history of the world. He said, we need to set aside a day just to, just to stop our regular work and say thank you to him. Right. Somehow that morphed into football and turkey. Yeah. I want to make an announcement. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to give him thanks and I'm not going to wait till Thursday either. So we can do it all the time. Right. A grateful heart is the foundation of life. Nothing will change your life more. Nothing. All right, let's see what the scripture says. We're going to look in the scripture today. Three simple truths, three revelations from the Bible. The power of gratitude. We're going to look at the effect it has on three people, and you're going to be one of them. Number one, the effect a grateful heart has on the living God. This is the craziest thing in the world. It's just, this sounds strange to me, but if I can show it to you in the Bible, you need to believe it. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 17, and then I want to ask you a question. I'm stuck down in a place called Eli Whitney, North Carolina. Y'all ever heard of Eli Whitney? That's our home. That's where we live at. Yeah, both of us. That's two of us. All of us are here today. Little crossroads is the crossroads of the south. That's what the sign says at the gas station. <laughs> Eli Whitney. And the uh, question is, how does a, a truck driver like me, stuck in some out-of-the-way place like Eli Whitney, eight billion people on this planet and counting, eight billion people, I get up in the morning, I step outside, and I look up and I say, I want to thank you that I slept good last night and I'm healthy and I can stand up. I got a home to live in. I got a Savior that loves you, loves me. Thank you for loving me. Question, you think he hears that from Eli Whitney? Here's the big question. You think it has an effect on him? Do you think a little country boy in Eli Whitney can touch the heart of God and have an effect on him? Let's read it. Luke chapter 17. I love this one of the most 
one of the most life-changing passages. I learned so much out of this. Verse, Luke 17, 11. It happened, Jesus went to Jerusalem. He passed through Samaria. He entered a certain village. Men, ten men met him who were lepers who stood afar off. And they cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us. All right, you got it? No, we don't have that in this now. We still have it in India. Leprosy is uh, external cancer. What well, cancer is a disease that eats you from the inside out. Cancer gets on you on the outside and eats in. Your fingers disappear. Your nose disappears. It's horrible. It's communicable. You, I mean, you, other people can catch it. So they have to put you away from your family. That's why they lived in groups outside the city. You have, and if your family don't come throw food, you ain't got nothing to eat. It's a, and it's a slow, painful death. It's horrible. All the 10 of these men, they got it. Well, Jesus is walking by, by. You're not allowed to go near people if you've got leprosy. And they're crying out, have mercy, have mercy. And watch what he does for them. And the Bible said, verse 14, when he saw him, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, that didn't make a lick of sense to me and you. But in that culture, if you should happen to have leprosy and by some intervention or something happens and you think that you don't have it anymore, before you go back home, you had to go to the priest in the temple. He had to examine your body and then he could declare that you were clean. You could return to society. So they hear this, go show yourself to the priest. That can't mean but one thing. But now they got to do something. Everybody's got to do something. There's always a step of faith. Verse 14, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. They started walking and all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened. I don't know if it happened suddenly or slowly. Because you got this white stuff all over you. Leprosy, you, it's white. I got a picture of my daughter hugging a leper in a leper colony up on the wall up there in Mother Teresa's leper colony. It's just this white stuff all over you. I don't know if they looked down and it started disappearing or just suddenly. But all of a sudden they realized, we're free, we're healed, we're clean. Now imagine if that was you. You couldn't, even, couldn't see your children, couldn't go home. You're cleansed. Watch what happened. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet. Watch this. Giving him thanks. All right. Got 10 guys. This happens to them. And uh, do you think they broke into a celebration? What would you do? Oh, I'd, I'd be slobbering all over the place. And they're so excited. Well, you know, they, but, but remember, I can't go home. I got to go get the priest to give me a release first. So apparently nine of them just take off. One of them stops, looks back at Jesus, and he goes back and he's very emotional. He's hollering, the Bible said loud voice, he's hollering, and even falls down on the ground. But to, to what? Give him thanks for what he's done for him. Watch this. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, your face made you well. That's God Almighty standing right there. That's the one who hung the stars in space. That's the one who's holding the orbit together. And can you see that apparently it impacted him that he'd done some things for people and they did not come back and say thank you? Can you see it? Can you see it touched the heart of God that one man came back and was, and was very grateful for what he'd done for him. You'd think if you was God Almighty and you're running the planet and you're trying to keep Mars, what what Mama Cass say, trying to keep Jupiter from running into Mars, and you got millions who aren't fed, wars going on, all this stuff, you wouldn't think it mattered to you whether somebody said thank you and Eli Whitney or not. What does that passage teach me, right, teach me right there? It touches the heart of God when I look up and say thank you. Has an effect. He hears it 
has an effect on his heart. Guy said to me one time, he said, I guarantee if he healed me of leprosy, I'd holler and scream too. I said, you're nuts. All leprosy can do is kill your body. That's all it can do. I had a disease that was going to send my soul to hell for all of eternity. He healed me of something bigger than leprosy. My sins are gone. I've been set free. And maybe think it might be good to go back and say thank you once in a while. And he notices it. I'm going to tell you what, I'm certainly not going to be the world's greatest golfer. Matter of fact, I've had friends trying after time to say, you just need to go hunt. You need to quit. I won't be the world's greatest country singer, but I'm still in the running for the world's most thankful man. I want to carry that trophy home when they have the big celebration one day. It touches the heart of God. What is the only thing you can give him that he doesn't have? The heart. And to give him your heart means to say, I praise you and thank you for your goodness. And to worship him. I don't want you to look at me in a passage in the Bible. Turn me to Psalm 100. I read this every day of my life. I read it every day. I'd been, I got saved. I met Jesus. Very powerful. My life was changed. And then I was supposed to have been discipled. I wasn't discipled. I was baptized. And they didn't teach me how to follow Jesus. They taught me how to be a Baptist. I'm not knocking the Baptist. It's just not what I wanted. I wanted to, be a, I wanted to follow Jesus. They taught me how to be religious. And, you know, they taught me to be reverent couldn't burp in public anymore. I had to, you had to wear religious uniforms. You had to wear coat and tie all the time we went to church. I was hard on a fat boy. I weighed about 310 at the time. And it told cheap polyester suits, you know, and, and they just taught, and the music was awful. Gosh, the music was awful. I mean, you come out of Led Zeppelin, you got to go to that kind of stuff. It's just, a, it's rough. <laughs> I was a rock star when I was young and now I'm, whoa, I'm thinking, man, you're killing me, man, you're killing me. But you're going to heaven, so that's one of the benefits. <laughs> and everything was very serious. It had to be very serious and very reverent because, you know, the Lord's in His holy temple, that'll keep silent. <laughs> I, all that, and I just, I thought maybe there's something wrong with me. No, I, you know what I found out? I read the Bible, there's something wrong with him. This is the passage that taught me so much. I read this, and before we read this passage, can I ask you a personal question? Who wrote this? I mean, David penned it. But the Bible says the Spirit of Christ speaking through David. Let me tell you something. God Almighty wrote this. And he wrote it because he, he wants you to hear him. This is the heart of God. I want you to listen. If God could speak, what do you think he'd say? Who? He'd, I'm in trouble. No, you're not. Let me tell you, if God could speak, this is where he speaks. Listen to what he says. Let's read it. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. That's what he's got to say. Why don't you get happy and start hollering to me? I didn't write this. Who wrote it? Well, see, that just went, that collided with what I'd been taught. I'd ta- I've been taught you can smile and laugh, and I listened to country music on the down low because I didn't want them to know it. And you could, but when you came in the church, <laughs> if you'd have moved elbow, it'd been out of body experience in that place. You know, it's okay to be, to enjoy your life, but you come in the church, and shh. What does that say right there? And then this, this one really dumped me upside down. Read verse two. Serve the Lord with gladness. He wants people to be glad. That's when I knew, beggars, you better find you somebody else to learn from because these people don't know him. Serve the Lord with gladness. All right, I want, let me teach you something here. Come before his presence singing. You need to know he made you. You didn't make yourself. You are his and he wants to be a shepherd to you. You need to know that. Now, watch this. Enter his gates with what? 
thanksgiving. How do you get to where he is? How do you get there? You ain't got to go through the gate to get somewhere. How do you get to the love and the joy and the peace and the hope and the encouragement and the blessing and the healing and the deliverance of God? How do you get there? Thanksgiving is the door you go through. Psalm 118 says, it's open to me the doors of righteousness. I'll go through them. I will praise the Lord. I'm telling you, gratitude and worship, a grateful heart is the way to where God is. Right, let me tell you what he wants you to do. He wants you to come see him. Why would he tell you to enter his gates with thanksgiving if he didn't want you to come see him? I look at the next, and then it says, be thankful. You know what he just said? Get in here and stay in here. Enter means come in. Be means stay here. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. And then verse 5 tells you the three reasons you ought to be a thankful person. He is good. His mercy endures forever means he's not going to stop being good to you tomorrow. Even after I croak, he'll still be being good to me. And his truth endures forever. The Bible's going to be true. Hang every professor, every preacher, every pundit that disagrees with it. That word's going to be standing when they're all in the grave. So give him thanksgiving and pray. What is he asking for right there? A grateful heart. Grateful heart. All right, number two. Nothing will have a greater effect on your life than making up your mind. I'm going to live to give thanks to God. Two things happen to a grateful person according to Scripture. Number one, God will fill you with his spirit. You can be a believer and not have the touch of God on your life. You can be a child of God and not have the power of God in your life. You can be a child of God and be depressed, miserable, worried, mad, in bondage, and still be a child of God. Or you can be a child of God and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, time out, time out. You say filled with the Holy Ghost, people get nervous. And many a person's told me, my Aunt Louise, she got in that Holy Ghost stuff and she was weird. Let me make an announcement. Your Aunt Louise was weird without the Holy Ghost. That had nothing to do with him. She's just a weirdo. Are you with me? <laughs> if Moses had met your Aunt Louise, they'd be an 11th commandment. Can I get a witness? All right. I probably should have said that. Watch me get a letter from Louise this week. It'll be on. Dear ones, there's nothing weird about the Holy Spirit of Jesus. He don't make you weird. You don't duck walk. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It makes you like Jesus. And if you'll read this book, you know what you find? People flock to Jesus. Sinners didn't run from Jesus. They ran. Let me make an announcement. If they're running from you, you're missing something. If they see you coming and they run into stuff getting away from you, something's wrong. Just thought I'd point that out. All righty. I want you to look at me. Ephesians chapter 5. Here's, here again, this is the will of God for your life. He's already shown you. His will is for you to become one of the most grateful people that ever lived. Let me tell you what else he wants to do for you. Verse 17. Therefore, understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't, don't tell me you can't find the will of God. He told you. I want you to understand it right there. He's fixing to tell you what it is. Understand the will of God for your life. Verse 18 says this. Do not be drunk with wine. It's dissipation. It's not that it's bad. It's dissipation. I don't do you a bit of good if you don't know what dissipation is. Dissipation's right up there with constipation. Eh? It's not good. I, I don't know. I don't know why we don't have Bibles and don't have the right language yet. Do not be drunk with wine. It's dissipation. Listen to this. Dissipation means waste. If you just lay around drunk all the time, you're wasting your life. He's not mad at you. You're just wasting your life. So don't be drunk all the time. <laughs> Or any, I don't know. You figure it out. 
Got to remember who I'm talking to here. Do not be drunk with wine, which is just, watch this, be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. All right, you put them verses together, 17, 18. What does God want? To, what is the will of God for your life? He wants me to be full of His love, True. His joy, His peace, His kindness, His hope. This is, this is what it happens to people when they're full of the Holy Spirit. Let me quote it to you if you want to look it up. Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is that means what you will see on the outside when the Spirit comes on the inside is the love of God. Your heart's going to grow tender toward people. God's will for your life is that you have a tender heart toward people but that you get it from Him. His Spirit does this for you. The will of God for your life is joy. I don't like it when my children are depressed. Not that I've ever seen that. I don't like it when they're depressed. I want my children to enjoy their lives. Can I get a witness? He told you that. The will of God is that you live in peace and not be worried and afraid. That's his will for your life. But I want you to lose something. Look at the end of verse 18. What's the punctuation? Is it a period or is it a comma? Comma means don't stop reading now. Comma, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. You know what he just told you right there? Here's what I want for you and here's what you've got to do to have it. Verse 18 says, I want to fill you with my spirit. Verses 19 and 20 tell you how to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Don't be waiting on somebody to bop you on the head. You just have a sore head. Can you see here where you've got to be proactive? Can you see here where you have to do so? I wake up, let me tell you what, the, the Bible says in the Greek language, we don't have the tense in our English. It literally should read like this. Be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do I have to be filled over and over? I leak. You leak. I can be just full of Jesus one day, just care for the world, just be so excited and so at peace. Next morning, wake up and I'm grouchy. Both of us. There's two of us. Can I get a witness? There's times so the touch of God just you wake up and say, where'd he go? He didn't go nowhere. But why does the Bible say keep being filled? I do it right there. I got to make a decision. Am I going to go on without the power of God in my life? Am I going to be filled? You know what you do? You don't need to find somebody to pray for you. You need to rear back and say, I am so thankful that you love me and care for me. Thank you that I'm alive today and I praise you and I bless. Listen, this passive, this passive worship, we're getting killed. You need to be aggressive with your gratitude. The man that came back to Jesus, did he say, <clears throat> thank you, thanks. thanks. What's his closet stuff? You need to rear back and tell him, thank you, praise you. You know the difference between going through the motions and from the heart? Yes, sir. I may be married. You know the difference between a kiss that's going through the motions and one from the heart? Are you with me? <laughs> Just save it. I like that lock, lip, bear down, have at it, come up for air once in a while. That's from the heart right there. If you ain't married, find out one day. By the way, you don't need to quit just because you've been married a few years. I don't care if you got, <laughs> if you got dentures, gummer to death, do something. <laughs> Listen to me. 
There's a big difference in this stuff of standing in church and go, listen, when you, you need to tell that man, I am so grateful for what you've done for me. Thank you that my kids did not cry themselves to sleep last night because their stomachs were hurting like millions of children because they didn't have nothing to eat. Thank you that you smiled on me. I deserve hell, but you've been gracious to me. We need to get, you need to be aggressive with your gratitude. You need to rear back and you begin to praise him and thank him and worship him. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You'll sense something right here. And a sweetness will start showing up. And it just, you just, I know people say you should never use the word feel it. You will feel it. I mean, friend, when the Holy Spirit of God's in your life, you're going to know it. He wants every one of his children to have his touch in their lives. If I put a mouse in your house, you'd know it between now and next Sunday. I bet you if I put one of them rattlers from down about to you, Harry's in your house, you'd know it for dark. Spirit of God comes in, you know it. And he wants to come in and fill your life. He told you right there, the will of God is to fill your life with my spirit. Start worshiping me and thanking me. The Spirit of God follows that. Number one, the, the effect it has on you, the power of God is in the life of a believer that becomes a grateful person. But let me tell you what else for you. Freedom. Yes. There's freedom in people that just have grateful hearts. I, all this stuff about spiritual warfare today, you better learn about spiritual warfare because it's hotter than it's ever been today. Darkness is covering the earth, deep darkness. The junk we're seeing in our nation is spiritual in its nation, nature. Why would a man take a young girl and own her and traffic her, that's not, that's not a bad man. That's a demon-possessed man. That's right. Only the power. That's not even normal. That's filthy. That's demonic. The stuff we're seeing in this nation, the violence and the hatred, this is demonic. The darkness in the land's covering the earth. But let me tell you something now. You need to learn about spiritual warfare. And please don't make my head hurt by getting deep and spooky on me. Can't, I'm going to make it so simple a child can understand. Here's all you need to know about spiritual warfare. Here it is. A fly is not going to sit on a hot stove very long. Don't mean to oversimplify it, but that's exactly what the Bible teaches. The demonic cannot stay where a grateful heart is. The demonic cannot minister where a grateful heart and grateful lips are. A man that's grateful for what God has done and praises him and thanks him, I mean... That's about like playing rap music around me. I'm going to fill my place with that absence. I'm gone, Doc. That's like fingernails on the blackboard. You start that mess, they're out of here. Let me tell you something. A grateful heart is the deliverance of God in your life. All right, let me just paint you some pictures just from Scripture. We won't look at it. Acts chapter 16. These two men go to preach in this town. The evil in that town knew what God was fixing to do, and he turned that town upside down. Those men came to town. A riot took place. People were angry. There was violence. There were lies being told. So remind you of Portland, Oregon. Lies being told. It was, cra- it was crazy. They were arrested falsely. They were whipped, put in jail, feet fastened in stocks. All that. Can you not see the demonic in this? This is the garbage. Listen, when are you going to start believing that the spirit realm influences the visible realm? The Bible teaches that. And we're trying to do business in the physical. You got to go in the spiritual to deal with the physical. So these men are sitting in jail. They're hurting. They're in pain. And the Bible said, verse 25, at midnight, darkest hour of midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and thanking him for what he'd done. Two great times to give thanks to God. Number one is when you feel like it. When's number two? When you don't feel like it. Amen. 
That's the most important time. If you wait till you feel like it, you're going to get crunched. And they're praising and thanking God for his goodness. And all of a sudden, the Bible said the chains just fell off. The doors opened. More importantly than that, everybody's attitude in town changed. The man that wanted to hurt him so bad is now being kind to him. And he's asking him, I need what you got. The uh, town administrator said, show those guys mercy, turn them loose. They fed them. Their wounds were healed. There was such a change in the town and the atmosphere. When did it happen? When they began to thank God and praise him for his goodness. Ray Charles could see this. <laughs> Dear ones, you're waiting on him. He's waiting on you. Amen. When you rear back and you begin to praise him and thank him, even in your darkest night, at the worst times, that's when heaven moves. The, dark, the demonic activity in homes could not exist if our homes were houses of thanksgiving and worship. Amen. They're not going to stay there. Right. I'm telling you, a fly's not going to sit on a hot stove long. And the power of God was released in their lives. We need to be aggressive about it. Let me mention one more here. This is the craziest thing, but you just got to believe God's word. Gratitude and worship, a thankful heart spoken out has a tremendous effect on the powers of darkness. It's one of the great lessons the Bible teaches. I've already told you about Acts chapter 16. I want to show you something crazy. Turn with me to, well, it's wonderful. I shouldn't be calling the Bible crazy. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 8. Now, you talk about painting you a picture of what's going on in the underworld here. Has anybody ever struggled with darkness? Yes. I know you do because the Bible says you do. The Bible says in the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 6, that we wrestle with principalities and powers of darkness. And we all struggle with it. I'm going to show you where you struggle in your mind sometimes here. Everybody's in a battle with this stuff. I told, I was speaking Wednesday night about this. I said, let me ask you a question. If there are no demonic spirits, why is, why is thought life such a struggle? Why don't you just tell your mind to stay right forever and it'd be fine? Why do you struggle with thoughts so much if there's no darkness that gets in your head? It does. We wrestle with this stuff. And the battlefield is, the battlefield is not the food line. The battlefield is your mind. The struggle is in the mind. That's why it's so hard to control your thoughts sometimes. How many of you have thoughts where you just go, I can't believe I just thought that. Yeah, you didn't. All right, watch what the Bible teaches about this. Psalm chapter 8. I love this, verse 2. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants. Let's just stop right there. We're not talking about 18 months old. When the Bible calls, says babe, who's it talking about? It's talking about humble people. You can be 105 and be a babe. It's talking about humble people. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, Father, I praise you that you are hiding yourself. That's a bad day when God hides himself from you. Right. Father, I praise you that you are hiding yourself from the wise in their own eyes. Yes. Those who think they know everything. But you are revealing yourself to babes or humble people. Right. It's not how smart you are, it's how humble you are. Yeah. Out of the mouths of babes and humble people, now, this is where Jesus misquoted the Bible, you will see. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, humble people, you have ordained what? Strength. Strength. So out of my mouth comes strength? I, I told you Jesus misquoted this. We won't look at it, but you can look it up and see if I'm wrong. In Matthew chapter 21, do you remember when Jesus went into the temple and he, he lost his cool on purpose, in love, and he kicked the tables over and he threw the preachers out. Y'all remember that? It's called the cleansing of the temple. Jesus went to the temple and said, what are you doing in here? This is my house. You got it all screwed up. So he just threw them out. And then he said this, my house is supposed to be called a house of prayer. You got a bunch of crooks in here. 
And the Bible said, then the broken people came to him and he healed them. And then when the ministers heard the children praising God and singing and celebrating and thanking God, they were angry. And they said to him, do you hear them singing? And Jesus said, yes, have you never read? And then he quoted this verse, but he quoted it wrong. Let me tell you, he quoted it. Jesus said, have you never read that it is written, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained praise. Look it up. Jesus said praise. Psalm said strength. Did he misquote it or not? He just explained it to us. Then was the grateful praise of God is power. Amen. It's the power. It's power in the spirit realm. The praise of God out of your mouth releases power in the spirit realm. Let me show you why. What's the next part say? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength or praise because of your enemies. How many of you have an enemy? How many of you sort of weary at times, but you know best not lay down? You're right. Let me make an announcement. Our enemy is not the Methodist church up the street. <laughs> I'm fixing to get really crazy. It's not the Democrats. Oh, Two of us. It's not the Republicans. It's not the Northerners, even though they act like it. They're not our enemies. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. What does the Bible say, friend? Tell me what the Bible says. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5 7. Be vigilant, be sober, pay attention. Your enemy, Satan. He's walking around and he's looking for somebody to devour, and he's doing a bang up job in this nation. Eating families, eating lives. Because you have an enemy, now watch this. You talk about fun. Let's read it again. Out of the mouths of humble people, you've ordained praise and strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy. How would you like to shut the racket up in your head? How would you like to silence the criticism, the condemnation, the low self-esteem, the lust, the I ain't going to make it, the everybody's, how would you like to shut that stuff up? Out of the mouths of humble people releases the power of God that silences the voice of the enemy and the avenger. Are you making the connection here? Some of you look as lost as Ronnie Millsap in a corn maze. I'm telling you what, dear ones, listen to me, listen to me. You don't have to live like this. It is not the will of God that we live like this. It is the will of God that his people be free. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. Did you hear that spirit of fear? He gave you one of power and love and a sound, clear thinking mind. So why is it going on? He has ordained praise to shut the enemy's mouth. You'd be surprised. You'd keep an atmosphere of gratitude and worship in your home. It would shut the enemy's mouth in your teenager's ear. Mind and heart. I'm telling you, there's a place of protection and it's called thanks be unto God. It's it's powerful worship, aggressive worship. Just, Just wonderful things happen. All right, now listen to me carefully. This is his way. Let me tell you what he's waiting on. He's waiting on you to do your part, and he will do his part. I'm going to reference one more. You can look this up sometime. I love it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Three nations banded together to destroy God's people. They were going to march on Israel. They were going to kill the women and children. They were going to slaughter the animals and everything. And Israel was hopeless. They were vastly outnumbered. They came together, and the king called the whole nation to prayer. And he stood before God, and he prayed on behalf of the nation. This that great prayer where he said... We have no power against this great army. Right. True. Remind you of something going on today? Oh, yeah. And then he said this, we know not what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but our eyes are on you. And when they worshiped him and praised him, he spoke and he said, and this is where this great verse came from, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You do not need to fight in this battle. This is a great verse. For the battle is not yours. The battle is mine. If you're a follower of Jesus, he'd like to make your battles his battles if you'd let him. And then he said this, go out against them and put the singers out front. And I thought, he's doing good till right then. Any way you cut it, that's dumb. Oh, you, oh you're going to look spiritual sitting in church? All right, suppose we decide to, that we have had all the lip service we're going to take from Iran. Who are we going to send over there? The SEALs, the Marines, or the Navy band? Who are you sending? You don't send trombones against Iran. You send them heat-seeking, shut-your-mouth-sucker missiles. Can I get a witness? No, no, no. You don't send a tuba. But he said, put the singers out front. Uh, let me think of something to say here. Let me think of something to say. He will offend your intellect to test your heart to see if you will obey him so he can do something good for you. All right. He said, put the singers out front. And the king said, put the singers out front. Listen to what the Bible said. When, he was waiting on them. When the singers went out front and they began to sing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Then God moved on their enemies, caused them to turn on one another and slaughter each other till everyone was dead. And Israel spent three days walking around the battlefield, taking the billfolds out of the back pockets of their soldiers. When did God move? When did he step in and take care of their problems? When they began to say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. I'm telling you, he likes this kind of stuff. You say, that just, that don't make sense. And? You're going to stop at your end. Let me make an announcement. If your God has to fit between your ears, you need a new God. Yours ain't very big. This is some of the best preaching you ever heard. This is good. You would be surprised what would happen if you'd begin to praise him and worship him and let him set ambushments against your enemy. I've got to quit, but I've got to point something out before I do. You know what that means. There was, we live in a spiritual world. Now, our American uh, worldview doesn't accept that. We believe that everything happens in the natural. It's all psychological. There is, we live in a spiritual world. The spirit world controls the visible world. To fix things in the visible world, you've got to do business in the spiritual world. Worship's powerful in the spiritual world. I want to point something out to you from Scripture. This, this shocked me when I saw it. We live in a day where the, the spirit of our generation today in America is whining, yes. complaining, moaning. Yes. It came on, it's, it's by something demonic called an entitlement mentality. Yes. An entitlement mentality always leads to whining and complaining. And we live in a day of complaining and whining. I'm complaining about it right now. Can, can I get a witness? You got to be careful, doc. You'll get caught up in the spirit of this age which is to whine and complain and, and I deserve better than this. I deserve a one-way ticket to the hottest corner of hell. That's why I'm so grateful. All right. Now listen to me carefully. The Bible teaches that when people complain, you open your life to the demonic. 
Look that up sometime. First Corinthians chapter 10. These things happened as an example for you. Do not be as them who complained and were bitten by serpents. Do I need to tell you what it means bitten by serpents in the Bible? Please listen to me, dear ones. There's nothing you can do to, that, will, that grieves the heart of God more than to whine and complain. Yes. Right. Now, I was trained, being a Baptist, you don't drink beer. You don't drink beer. You can despise your mama-in-law. You can cuss somebody out, but you can't drink that beer. <laughs> and, you know, no alcohol. No alcohol. Well, I'm not encouraging you to drink alcohol. Heaven knows some of you are dumb enough without it. But the point is... <laughs> But, but they, were, they just complained and whined all the time. All right, I'm fixing to go out on a limb. You talk about a man fixing to get some deleted emails. <laughs> According to that book, he would rather have you drink a little Boone's Farm and do a little less whining. and can I get a witness? <laughs> By the way, whining's more destructive to your life. Yeah. Go ahead. Just send it to me. It's just Daniel at thelambschapel.org. <laughs> but just as whining and complaining and mur- it's called murmuring in the Bible, as that draws the demonic to you, gratitude and praise brings angels. It draws the power of God to you. This is all in the spirit realm up here. We got to learn this stuff. I'm going to make an observation, see if you agree or disagree. Every moment in your life, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and all the moments you is asleep, there are many things in your life wrong around you where you live that are wrong that you could complain about and it'd be justified. Yes or no? You talk about it all week, talk about it in here. Yes or no? In other words, there's always a reason to whine. All right, shift gears. Every moment in your life from the moment you wake up till the moment you lay your head on a pillow at night and all during the night, you have much to be thankful for. Amen. What's the word? Choice. Yes, sir. I preached a funeral of a man this past week, not much older than me, who was robbed of life, no fault of his own. I'm still alive. Thank you, Jesus. He's a good man. My children are well fed. I've never been hungry. I've never missed a meal in my life except when I wanted to. Do you know millions of parents listen to their children cry themselves to sleep last night because their stomachs were hurting because they couldn't get something to eat? Thank you, Jesus. I got somebody to love me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I was able to stand up and walk out of my house this morning. A whole lot of folks right across the highway over yonder will never walk out again. They'd love to be able to get up and see the sunrise. They can't even get out of bed. If they want to pee, they got to call the orderly to do it. I'm telling you, I got much to be thankful for. I got a book that's got all the answers to life. I am a forgiven man. And the worst thing that can happen to me is the best thing that happened to me. If I fall over today, I'm going straight to glory and start all over. Get that 25-year-old young body that's going to be on. I have got a lot to be thankful for. It is a choice. Let me make an announcement. <laughs> it's you. All right. Some of you don't remember this. Anybody here old enough to remember lime burger cheese? All right. Four of us. That's your above 90 crowd. They don't have it anymore. It used to be this nasty, nasty cheese. It was sort of soft and it was just nasty. It stunk. It was nasty. Well, years ago, the youngins, grand youngins decided to play a trick on grandpa. He's taking a nap on the couch in the living room. They went in the frigidaire and got that uh, lime burger cheese, took it and just rubbed it in his mustache right there. And then they went and hid the watch. Now, that stuff is nasty. I'm mean, a gag a maggot. It's terrible. So he wakes up and he sits up and he goes, it stinks in here. <laughs> 
terrible. So he gets up, he goes in the kitchen where Ma's cooking dinner. He says, Ma stinks in here. He's going to go out and back and get him some fresh air. He walks out on the back porch. Whole world stinks. I know so many people like that. The world didn't stink. The kitchen didn't stink. The living room didn't stink. He stunk. Let me make an announcement to all you whiners. It's been in the Bible for years. I knew it was coming. It's you. Ask me if I'm having fun this morning. Son, get thankful. There's a lot to be thankful for out there. One of the greatest things you'll ever do for your children, this may be the greatest thing you'll do for your children, shape them to be grateful people. Do not let the entitlement crap that's on a younger generation get on your kids. Listen, if you love your kids, teach them to be thankful. It's been 25 years ago, 26 years ago, a lady in my church, she said, I got to tell you the funniest thing. They had one daughter and she was a spoiled brat. 12, 13 years old, just spoiled brat. I'm, 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 I'm going to be nice about it. And uh, said, we, we're having dinner that And we said, honey, why don't you give thanks? And she said, she looked around and she said, I don't see nothing I'm thankful for. And she, she said, ain't that the funniest thing? I didn't laugh. I didn't think it was a bit funny. You've heard old people say, if that's my youngin'. You've heard it, you're fixing to. <laughs> I wouldn't be ugly to that child. I'd say, go to bed. Mm. You're going to go to bed without dinner tonight. Then I'd get along with God and I'd say, I repent for not training that child. Yeah. And letting this, listen, this culture no, shouldn't be training your child. Public schools don't need to be training your child how to have morals. Get them off the internet, teach them God's word. And then I'd go back and apologize to that child and say, we're going to change some things around here. I'm going to do a better job of teaching you how to live. You teach a child to whine about everything, you're damning their future. Teach a child to be grateful. You know how they're going to learn it? Don't fuss at them, live it. Let them watch. Let your kids be raised in a grateful atmosphere. Every time you sit down to eat, let your kids hear you tell God, thank you that we got something to eat today. Let them hear you tell God, thank you that we're alive today. Let them hear you thank God for their mama. I got but two guys thankful for their mama. Come on, guys. Amen. I got to quit. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. Quit thinking. Start thanking. We do too much thinking, not near enough thinking. I can tell I watch people are going. I can tell. You need to quit thinking, start thinking. Let me make an announcement. Look, look right here. Your preacher loves you. The answer's not between your ears. So why are you knocking around in that closet? All right. Somebody said, you need to quit saying that. That's ugly. Turn in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Let me put him under the bus. Philippians chapter 4 is where the king of glory tells you, if you would quit thinking and start thinking, I would handle your stuff. Let me tell you what faith does. It starts thanking God before the answer shows up. Before. Philippians chapter 4 is where he says, you do too much thinking and not enough thinking. Shift gears and I'll change things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord when everything's hunky-dory and the sun's shining and you feel good. What's the word always mean? You know what rejoice means, don't you? Be grateful. Watch this, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Some Bibles say be worried for nothing. You know what worry is? Do you know what it is? Worry is when you're thinking about your problems. 
Whereas when you spend time thinking about problems, to think about problems is to worry. Let me share this with you. Jesus Christ said this about worry in Luke chapter 11. Why do you worry about anything? Which of you by worrying can add one day to his life? And if it can't change anything else, why worry about it? Let me ask you a question. What have you ever accomplished by worrying? You know what dumb is? <laughs> do it twice when it didn't help the first time. God, that's good. That is good. So, well, Brother Brian, I can't just, if I'm not going to worry, what am I going to do? Glad you asked. He said this, be worried for nothing. Quit thinking about your problems. Let's read verse 6. Be worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Take your stuff to him and leave it there. Take it to him and leave it there. You know what the thanksgiving means? When you're thankful, I know he's going to answer it and he's got it. Now what did that verse tell me right there? I can worry about my problems or I can take them to him and be thankful. We used to sing a song years ago back before we got real fancy and complicated with church music. We used to sing the simplest stuff. Leave them there, oh, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you'll trust and never doubt, God's surely going to bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We'd get done and somebody would say, sing it again. And we'd tear out the pen and start playing. We'd sing it again. And then old women would start getting happy. Somebody sang it again. I'd be grandma. Folks would get to singing and hollering, and then preach at the altars. And folks would just flood down to the altar and give their problems and cares to the Lord. And then they'd get, guess what you do after you've done, done that? You ain't got nothing to worry about what you're going to do now. Oh, we'd really get to thanking him then. Sing it again. <laughs> Dear ones, let me ask you a question. If the man says, I'll take care of it, or you can take care of it, why are you handling it? All right. I'm going to tell you what happened. This is a true story. I know it is because I heard a preacher say it. My wife, I, my wife, what you heard right there, that was her eyes rolling. <laughs> Years ago, this man worked in an office and he was a nervous type and he was the world's all-time champion warrior. I mean, everything worried him. The, the people he worked with wouldn't even tell him stuff. They were afraid he'd be upset about it. And he worried and worried about this, worried about that. And matter of fact, folks got to making fun of him. And all of a sudden, one day he comes into the office there and he's a changed man. He ain't got a care in the world. Nothing bothers him. He don't care about nothing. It's just like he's drunk the whole time, except he's able to work. And he just nothing bothers And people would start talking about it, and they just notice he's just free as a bird. And nothing bothers him. He said, I don't care. Nothing bothers him. Finally, somebody said, what in the world has happened to you? He said, well, I was reading a magazine. So this tells you it's a long time ago. I was reading this magazine, and I found an ad in there for a company that'll do you worrying for you. Sure did. He said, yeah, it's right there in the magazine. You're in the back where they do the advertisement for all that stuff. And he said, it's called Worry Warts Incorporated. And they'll do all your worrying for you. Now, this is for internet. They give you these little slips, and he showed them little slips of paper. If something comes out you need to worry about, you just write it on that slip and send it to them, and they'll worry for you. He says, it's the greatest thing ever happened to me. He said, I don't know if y'all noticed now, but I had a problem with worrying. He says, greatest, this changed my life. It's just tremendous. I thought, my goodness. And the fellow said, how much, it cost, how much it cost you for this worrying service? He said, $800 a month. <laughs> Fellow said to him, how are you going to pay that? He said, uh, I'll let them worry about that. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to your preacher. <laughs> no, that's not true. Listen to your preacher. 
I know some folks, it would be worth it. You pay a whole lot more for a whole lot less. You said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. What's the difference in slips of paper and a bottle, a pill bottle? Dear ones, the creator of this universe has told you he'd do your worrying for you. He told you to cast every care on him because he cares for you. That's 1 Peter 5, 8. Why in the world would you worry when you could be thankful? Take it to him and leave it and go on your way and celebrate. Nothing will change your life more. But you got to be aggressive. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. When you go in and throw the gauntlet down and you tell those enemies that battle you all the time, I'm done. We're going to duke it out, Doc. Please listen to what I'm fixing to say. I'm done. There might be a little struggle, but you will win. But you've got to make up your mind. I'm done with this. I'm done with this being beat up and discouraged and weary. It comes a time when you've got to take a stand and win. And if you'll take the stand, you will win. All right. I was a boy who grew up in a neighborhood in Charlotte. It was a rough neighborhood. I was little to my age. You know what that means. And I got picked on a lot because I was the youngest in the neighborhood. And I was little to my age. And the older boy said, this is back before bullying became non-vogue. And I got picked on pretty mercilessly around that neighborhood. But when I was 12 years old, I was sent off to reform school in uh, Concord, North Carolina, because I was such a bad kid. And then I went through different things. I had some trouble. And, uh, but went off to reform school. And one of the ways they reformed me, this is dumb, I took up martial arts. And they start teaching you martial arts. Oh, that's great. Make, a crim- make him a mean criminal. That'd be good. So I took up martial arts. Found out I was really good at it. Won the first, I won the Junior Olympics. First time I ever competed. Got real good at that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, my time's up in the reform school and all that, so I got to come back home. And I done made up my mind, you know, and I took a growth spurt while I was there too. Between my growth spurt and my newly found martial arts, I decided I ain't gonna be picked on this neighborhood no more. And I didn't say, if they come and pick on me again, I'm gonna defend myself. I said, nope, ain't no sense in doing that. I'm just gonna go out and sell it on the first day. I went out to where they played football in the vacant lot, started with the biggest one, whooped his butt, and went all the way around first day. Just settled it, and I was left alone after that. From then on, nobody ever bothered me again. He said, that's not a very Christian thing. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but it's still a good idea. <laughs> when I found out I don't have to put up with enemies' crap, that I can worship my way out of anything, I didn't say, well, if it happens, I just decided today I make an announcement, your party in my brain is done. You're robbing me of the life he died to give. You finish, sucker. Eat this right here. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I know y'all heard that. You just need to make up your mind. I'm going to dig in and we're going to have at it. We got to break with Mr. Rogers' Christianity. And we got to bring on some Rambo faith during these days. Can I get a witness? I know, I know, I know. It sounds violent. That sounds violent. Yeah. Why you took onward Christian soldiers marching on to war out of the hymn book? There's something wrong with you. You need to put that back in. I'm done fussing. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Father, if I saw a puny enemy whooping on my children, I would say, that is not my will for them. I'd give him something to defend himself. And I praise you and thank you that the high praises of God in their mouth are a two-edged sword in their hand to bind the enemy and the avenger. I praise you and thank you that you've given us the worship of God. I don't want to thank you most of all. Father, this is just amazing. The creator of the universe who rules eternity is touched by my praise. That when I say thank you, and I'm sincere and I mean it, 
thank you that I get to get out of bed this morning. A lot of folks wish they could. That you hear it and it blesses your heart. If, if it didn't do anything else, I'd do it just to know that it blesses you and you hear it. And the fact that it brings your spirit close to me and sets me free from so much junk, I praise you. But Father, I, I probably shouldn't say this in church. The fact that it bruises Satan's head and crushes his head, I like that stuff. Amen. Much as he's crushed me and the people I love, it is my turn to inflict pain. And I praise you and thank you that this is the secret weapon that rules the world, the spirit world. I give you all the praise and glory. And now, Father, I want to close by saying, speaking on behalf of all of us, we have got a lot to be thankful for. You have smiled over us. I mean, we're, we're well fed. We live in the greatest nation on earth. We've had occupation. Every one of us got money in our back pockets right now, probably. We're, we're fat and sassy and happy to the glory of God. You've been good to us. And we want to be like that one leper. I'm going to be in a 10% club. I don't want to be like the nine who run off. I want to be like the one who comes back and says, thank you for what you've done for me. I might do it with a loud voice like he did it. Thank you for the goodness of God. And I praise you and thank you. You, you didn't do this because I earned it. You haven't been good to us because we're worthy. You've been good to us because you're good. But we want you to know we're thankful anyway because of your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. As long as I'm on this planet, there's going to be somebody thanking God from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. The Lord's name is going to be praised in my house and in my heart. I bless you and praise you. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.